Welcome to the Clear Admit MBA Admissions Podcast. I'm Graham Richmond, and this is your Wiretaps for Monday, May 8th, 2023. I'm joined by Alex Brown from Cornwall, England. Alex, how are things going? Very good. Thank you, Graham. So I guess there's some, you know, you were mentioning to me before we came on air, there's some deadlines and things still happening, uh, particularly with respect to round three. And, and so you want to give us just a rundown on that? Yeah, I mean, we've got a few deadlines in terms of decision release deadlines, actually. So round three, as we've mentioned, is much shorter cycle than rounds one and two. So Wharton, Kellogg and Emory, Haas and INSEAD are amongst the programs re- um, scheduled to release decisions this upcoming week. We've also got the um, deferred um, ad- admission cycle um, ongoing. So there's still there is still plenty of activity, Graham. Yeah, and I know people are using that questions feature on Livewire to kind of try to try to get insights from fellow candidates about you know interview invitations that have come out or you know people who've heard back. There's even you know some people still wondering about waitlist stuff from the earlier rounds. So it's nice that we have that and people can kind of trade information. I know it's hard when you're waiting, whether it's waiting on a waitlist or just waiting as part of the regular part of this process. So in any event, yeah, we'll, we'll see how, how things continue to shape up. And I do think that that deferred enrollment pool of candidates is a growing pool. So yeah. it's uh, interesting times. Uh, I did want to mention just a small kind of side note. You know, we have made uh, wiretaps episodes where we profile candidates for I'm not actually sure when we started. It's been a few years now, I think. And we this episode actually marks the 200th time that we've sat down to record in one of these types of episodes that we call wiretaps. So you know how many years that is, Graham? Well, it depends if we, if, I guess we've never missed a week, right? Nearly so, four years. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So that means, and we used to, have we have we always done three profiles? Or we, I think we started more, we tried to do more than that originally, right? I can't remember. Yeah, maybe for one episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so we've been pretty good about three. So yeah, so that means, um, you know, we've got like, what is that? Two times three, 600, right? So there's probably 600 people that we've profiled over the years, many of whom are now off at business school, I guess, hopefully, <laughs> if if they followed our advice or, or maybe if they ignored our advice, I don't right. know. <laughs> <laughs> um, in any event, it's cool stuff. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention before we get into, you know, the the wiretap stuff and, and some of the... Uh, things that we've published on the website recently is that we're really in our event season. I've been saying this the last couple of weeks, but last week we connected with Harvard, Wharton, Berkeley, NCAA, and LBS for an application overview webinar. And we have, you know, there are four of these. And so this week we've got Duke, UT Austin McCombs, and UNC Keenan Flagler that we'll be connecting with on Wednesday at noon. Uh, next Wednesday is a big one. We've got Carnegie Mellon, Tepper, NYU Stern, Michigan Ross, Yale School of Management, and Dartmouth Tuck. So five schools on that panel. It's going to be fun. Uh, And you can sign up by going to bit.ly forward slash C-A-M-B-A events, all one word, all lowercase. So those are always fun, Alex. And and yeah, we'll see. We've got a lot of people signed up for these events this year, which is a good sign. Yeah, no, absolutely brilliant. Um, And best of luck with that first one. I know you said it's happened, but I know it's this afternoon because we're recording (laughs) early. (laughs) Yeah, we're recording in advance. I hope they all show up. Otherwise, I will have misspoken. But no, it'll be fun. Uh, So... 
I did want to mention we we ran a admissions tip, which I think is probably still relevant. It's about negotiating scholarships. I know we see a lot of posts, including one we're going to talk about today, where you know candidates are are in the process of making decisions and they go to one school with an offer that they got in terms of scholarship dollars and see if the school will match. And so we have a, a, a fairly good um, admissions tip about that up on the site. And then we also uh, tackled a handful of Real Humans alumni since we last recorded a, a Wiretaps episode here. And so I'll, I'll just run through those. Uh, we connected with Kadu, who's a um, INSEAD grad from the January class of 22, uh, works at Accenture as a venture building manager, originally from Rio in Brazil, and is currently now working in Brazil, but in Sao Paulo. So, uh, and you know, we always ask like, do they have any advice? And Cadu says, accept every invitation, especially if it involves traveling, <laughs> talk to everyone, build as many bridges as possible. Your experience is only as good as the connections you make. So that, that kind of reminds me of a, a quote that we had a couple weeks ago, I guess, from a candidate, just about really taking it all in and, and taking all these opportunities. I think it might have been last week, actually. Is, is there, is there a, 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 a phase where you can go a little overboard with that, I'm thinking? I just don't know. I mean, yeah. this whole idea of spreading yourself too thin too, right? I know. It's got to be. And this is something that I struggled with at Wharton was just, yeah, there's a lot on offer. And I, I think in my first year, I was like, I belonged to maybe six or <laughs> seven different you know, clubs and activities and things. And then in the second year, I kind of had more of a focus and you know, sort of narrowed things down to a few things that I was passionate about. But yeah, it's tricky to balance all this stuff. Uh, we also talked with Tenny, who's a Carnegie Mellon University Tepper grad from 21. Uh, he works at Amazon as a finance manager, and he's originally from uh, Chennai, India. And he says, take the time to enjoy the moment. It is really easy between classes, recruiting, and life to always be looking forward to the next interview, exam, or more. Business school is a great experience, and it will pass by in a blink of an eye. So there's kind of a, you know, smell the roses kind of advice, right? <laughs> um, and I, I love that. Yeah, that yeah. I think that's absolutely true. Because I, I remember, you know, again, just through my own experience, it's like, you're you're constantly running, racing to like get ready for that next. I for me, the exams are what stood out the most. I was pretty focused on like just trying to survive the curriculum at Wharton, because it was quite challenging. And yeah, I just kind of, I think, yeah, coming up for air and you know, enjoying the moment is really important. And then the, la the last person we spoke with is a woman named Mega, who is a Wharton grad, I'm speaking of Wharton, from the class of 21. And she works at Pfizer as a senior manager. She hails from Dallas, Texas originally. And she writes, and this was a really interesting point I, that I don't know that people um, follow this advice. So it's really good. She says, before recruiting for summer internships, when I was a first-year student, I sat down with a bunch of healthcare management second-year students, because that's her focus, healthcare management, to learn about their pre-MBA careers and to share my likes, dislikes, and skill set to hear their thoughts on what types of roles in healthcare may be worth considering. What came out of those conversations was a resounding recommendation to try out pharma marketing, which I probably wouldn't have thought to consider or wouldn't have considered as highly without those discussions. So that's a great idea, right? I mean, you have these second-year students on campus at any MBA program that's a two-year program, and you can go and talk to them, particularly those heading off into the general field that you're considering, and get some you know, advice. Yeah. And I think that's a great, 
great thing that she did. Yeah, because oftentimes you think about second year students providing interview guidance and mock interviewing and stuff. But, mm-hmm. but this is a sort of a step prior to that. It's like, all right, really help me think through what makes sense for me based off of your, your, your experiences and so forth. Yeah, and some yeah, some of these programs are good about giving you a second year buddy yeah. um, when you arrive as a first year, and and you know even if that buddy's not in your field or you know it can't give you the career advice that you're looking for, at minimum they have friends in the second year class who might be able to to help you. So I, I think it's a really good idea to tap into that. Uh, before we talk about our candidates, Alex, I did want to read some excerpts from a really, I mean, a wonderful letter that we received via email. Um, it comes from a, a, a person named Aditya. Uh, and he wrote, he wrote, Dear Graham, Alex, and the Clear Admit team, I just wanted to take this opportunity to convey my most heartfelt gratitude for featuring my profile on episode 256 of the Clear Admit podcast. I was the Indian lawyer. Uh, your podcast has been an essential resource for me throughout my application journey. I've been an avid listener for 10 months, and I don't think I've missed an episode. What interests me most are your chats about candidate profiles and how you address potential challenges while still motivating and encouraging the candidate. I guess that means we need to be nice today, Alex, <laughs> while we, when we go through our, our candidates. Anyway, so he then goes on to say that he was thrilled to hear his profile discussed on the podcast. And he says, Alex's advice about ensuring that my fit was reflected through my essays became my guiding light. And Graham's suggestion that I try to seek admission into INSEAD, given its short duration and its placement for applicants in the consulting industry. um, Oh, sorry, I kind of misread. He's he's, was happy about my suggestion on that front. And then he says, I'm delighted to share that I have received admission into INSEAD for its class of December 24. I owe a great deal of gratitude to you for helping me to get to this point with your advice and support. Once again, thanks to you both and the entire Clear Admit team. The podcast has been a constant source of inspiration for me, and I'm confident that it will continue to be a valuable resource for MBA applicants worldwide. Regards, Aditya. So that was a really nice letter to get. Made my week. (laughs) No, no, it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. So in any event, if you want to write us similar uh, letters, uh, yeah. you can write to info at clearedmit.com, use the subject line wiretaps, and we will write back. I actually owe a ditch your response, which I'll get on then, uh, right away here. And just, yeah. just on that, we don't read out the nasty letters, right? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, they somehow find their way into a special folder. Yeah. yeah. But anyway. <laughs> All right. So are you ready to talk about the candidates that you've uh, picked out for this week? Let's kick on. <laughs> All right, this is this is Wiretap's candidate number one. So our first candidate this week, uh, you've pulled from an apply wire entry, and this is a person that has five schools on their target list, and they want to start in 24, so in the fall of 24. They've got Harvard, Michigan, MIT, Kellogg, and Wharton on the target list. This person's been working in small business, but before that, they also worked in corporate finance, and they want to pivot into tech after business school. They have a uh, 770 on the GMAT and a 3.68 undergraduate GPA, which they earned studying economics at a top 10 US university. Uh, They've actually been working for seven years because they did that rotational management program at a blue chip company. It was like a finance leadership development program. And then after a couple of years, they took a leap of faith and went to work for their family's small winery. 
which they've been doing for a handful of years now. And you know, they mentioned it's not a big, uh, it's not a giant company. It's got a couple million in revenue per year, and it's not in California. It's on the East Coast, um, so it's you know kind of a small winery. Uh, and they really want to get into tech. They think that being a leader at like a small biz tech company, and they mentioned companies like Toast or Squarespace or Gusto. Um, and so they're, they're, that's where they want to kind of land and they're figuring out, you know, that what's the best path to get there. And so they're thinking about getting an MBA and they wanted to know a couple of things. I mean, you know, one was how does the kind of working at a winery or at a small business play? And the other was, you know, is it reasonable for them to try to go and get a PM job in tech coming from this background. And I should mention just in closing here before I turn it over to you, Alex, that they said that um, they've been following ClearAdmit and some other MBA resources for a while, but they don't feel like they've seen a lot of small business applicants. So someone working in kind of a small business like they are, and they say they would love to have some feedback from Alex Graham and the community on their profile. So here we are, we're going to give them some feedback. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think on the one hand, the, the, this profile is really, really strong. I mean, the numbers are outstanding. Yeah, They've done a leadership development program. They, they've now transitioned into a more of an entrepreneurial sort of family um, type business, which as we know, might well present them with lots of interesting sort of roles and so on and so forth, and really an opportunity to make direct impact. Um, um, to to the bottom line and and, and so forth. So I, I reckon all that side of the profile will allow them to stand out. I also think their extracurriculars um, look, look look pretty decent and, and and strong. So so there's a lot to like here, Graham. Um, in 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 you know first cut looking at at the profile. Sure. Um, I do think they should be targeting the top programs, which it looks like they are. Not sure why Stanford's not on on that list, um, but 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 nevertheless, um, lots to like. I think I'm not sure. I I'd want to know a bit more about this goal of transitioning into tech because there's nothing in their profile to date that screams tech. Um, or at least from what we've read in in, 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 in in their profile, right? So, you know, they did a, a a rotation at a blue chip company. doesn't say that that was a tech company. They're working at a winery that probably isn't um, necessarily tech related. So I'd, I'd want to know a little bit more about that and, and the desire for that pivot. I'm a little bit... Um, um, conscious that transitioning into a, a PM role um, at, a, at a tech company might be challenging without an engineering sort of background, um, certainly from, from their academics. So, so it might be that they want to readjust and go into consulting post-MBA and sort of work their way into tech through, through a consulting route, um, possibly. Um, they also want to work in Salt Lake City or, or move to Salt Lake City um, for, oh, yeah, I didn't for personal that. reasons. Yeah. Um, so, so that would also help me um, think about all right, which programs necessarily to target. So, so you know, some programs are going to have stronger networks in Salt Lake City than others, and that's absolutely an avenue that's worth um, exploring. The other question that I have, Graham, and I'll just bounce this back to you, mm-hmm. working in a family business, a, a reasonably, well, I'm not saying small family business, but yeah, it's 2 million in revenue, but working in a family business, 
Um, the challenge may be to get the appropriate recommendations, like who's going to write them. So do you want to address that a little bit, Graham? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because they have been, if my math is correct, they've been, you know, five years or so in the family yeah. business. And because they have seven years of work experience, they did two years in this rotational uh, finance program. And now presumably the rest of it's been with the family business. So that's a while. And so then they've got to, where, where are they going to get the letters from? It's not mom and dad. You can't have any blood relative yeah. writing your recommendation. I'm hoping that in their work, and, and what's cool about their work, by the way, is that, you know, they mentioned that they are doing a lot of different things, um, you know, in terms of like, you know, uh, they, they, they do branding work, they do, they manage all the finances, uh, they do, you know, sometimes they're running the tasting room or out in the vineyard, you know, dealing with production. I mean, there, there's a lot that they're doing. And I think that's, a, I mean, that's going to be gold for the admissions readers. Like, I think that's really interesting to have a candidate who's had experience in all these domains. But I think for the recs, they're going to need to go to, ideally, they have maybe relationships with distributors for the wine. Um, they must have a, an accountant or, you know, someone or, or, you know, a lawyer, someone that they're dealing with that's external who can weigh in on this person's capacity to be operating the business and, and things. So that would be my advice. I mean, I, do you think they could pull off one rec from the, from the past role as well? Or do you think it's too far into the past? If they've maintained a relationship. Yeah. I, that would be my advice. Yeah. Like, I feel like if they've maintained the relationship, like you say, and they have a, a champion from that rotational, yeah. that would be smart. Because that would be a sort of, sort of a grounded, more traditional kind of letter to accompany yeah. whatever they're going to have. So, yeah, but that is a challenge when you're working in these small companies and fam family business, especially. So, yeah, good point. I mean, as to your point about moving to Salt Lake City because of their partner... I absolutely agree. Like dig into the networks of these schools in that market because it could end up being important. I mean, but going bigger picture here, I just want to mention, I, I think the stats are great. I agree with you that the goals are a little harder for me to understand. And I, you know, part of it was, I was like, wow, you know, it would have been really cool if they'd been bitten by the kind of um, food, wine, bug with respect to their goals. Like if they had had some desire to go work, maybe even with, you know, um, some kind of a startup or tech, or, you know, there's a lot of food tech companies out there. Obviously things are changing in terms of what, what we need to do. Um, you know, uh, thinking about like, uh, you know, the, the kind of, what is it called now? The meat, you know, kind of substitute meat options. And there's yeah. lots of like tech out there around food. Um, and, you know, and also there's a lot of interesting stuff happening with respect to climate change and wine. And I, I don't know if you know this, but all the champagne producers in France who have, a, you know, it's very specific territory in France, they've been buying land in the UK. And the reason for that is because of the climate change. And they're worried that with continuing climate change, the grapes that they're growing in the region of France where they make champagne aren't going to work anymore. And don't, that, don't tell me champagne's going to come from I, Birmingham. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how far <laughs> north it is. I don't think it's that far north. I'm not sure. <laughs> but yeah, that would oh, be pretty funny. Crikey. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. that's a true thing, though. They're really buying up land in the UK because they're trying to move with the climate. Anyway, so there's we digress. But this person, you know, it just would have been interesting to me if, if like, yeah. they developed a passion for, I mean, maybe they want to go work for a major food and beverage company for a couple of years and then come back and take their own family's business to the next level, acquire some other vineyards, or I don't know. I mean, that that's where I would have uh, wanted to see this go. But, 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 you know. but on, honestly, Graham, I completely agree with you on this. The fundamentals of this profile are, I think, 
outstanding. Yeah. But this goal just doesn't resonate. Yeah. Um, and there's so much opportunity to have a resonating goal um, that maybe it is there and we're just not seeing yeah. it. Maybe this idea of moving into tech is tech related to food and beverage or whatever. Yeah. Um, based on what they've learned and what they've done through their family business. Um, Are, yeah. So, so, yeah. One last thing before we move on. Are you worried about this person's age? No. Okay. I mean, yeah, I just wanted to make no, sure. I mean, they're a little older. No, no. But I mean, they're a little older. They're still in, in within range. So they're going to need to show fit and do all that good stuff. But they're not in the outer thing. I mean, seven years, yeah. Um, they're, they're definitely above above so they've got to be conscious of showing fit show that they'll fully engage as as a result of of being a little bit of an older candidate but yeah it it didn't really strike me what struck me more is the goal yeah okay that makes sense yeah so in any event i want to thank them i mean they they had a number of really nice comments for us too i mean they mentioned that they're a big time podcast listener really appreciate all the wisdom the team gives to MBA applicants and they say, let's kick on. Let's so, kick on. <laughs> all right, so let's move on. Thank them for their post and let's talk about Wiretap's candidate number two. So our second candidate this week is someone who's applying and they say their intake year is 25, but we confirmed with them that they met 24. So they're gonna be applying this coming fall to start the following. They've got nine schools on their list and the schools are Berkeley, Carnegie Mellon, Dartmouth, Duke, Michigan, Kellogg, Foster, UCLA Anderson, and UVA Darden. They have uh, been working pre-MBA as a tech uh, PM and they wanna stay in technology after business school. Their counting stats are six years of work experience, a GPA of 2.9, and a GRE of 322. And that's a, they've taken this test four times, they mentioned to us. This candidate is located in Germany. They'd love to land in the US after business school. And they mentioned in the notes that they are 31 years old and male, and they're gonna be applying round one or early rounds um, for, to, you know, to start in 24. They know that they're, undergraduate GPA is low. They mentioned after we asked that it's kind of average for where they went. Um, and they said they've done MBA math as well as HBS core. They did this sort of economics for managers course and some other online courses to basically build an alternative transcript. Uh, they've got extensive, you know, kind of leadership experience in four different countries, uh, you know, and, and you know, they, they, their work experience seems solid and they want to be a product manager after business school. And they're just wondering if we had suggestions about target schools and about anything they can do to strengthen their profile. They're concerned about their age being above the median. So Alex, what do you make of this situation? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think, or, or at least I'm speculating, their work experience is, is, is strong. Um, they've said they have an extensive background in tech leadership in four different countries. Uh, roles, but not as a product man, not 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 product management, and that's what they want to get into is product management. Um, so so um, so let's assume that their their, their work experience is strong. Um, you know, by impact, by growth. You know, typical sort of metrics. Well, not metrics, but things that we look at. Um, don't really know much about them personally, i.e. what do they do outside of work. So, so that would be good to sort of tease out. 
Um, Germany is an underrepresented market applying to top tier um, MBA programs in the US. But I don't know if they're of German origin or because they've worked in four different countries, are they moving around in Germany as their current um, situation and maybe they're from elsewhere. So it would be good to know as an international student um, where they're originally from and you know some of those countries they've navigated through. Um, I'm a little concerned with the GRE GPA combination. That 2-9 um, is average. So, so one, one of the things that they've got to be um, conscious of is converting that GPA because a 2-9 is not an average GPA in the US um, anymore, mm-hmm. right, with grade inflation and so on and so forth. So, so that needs to be um, considered. They've taken the GRE four times. Um, they're at 322. So that 322 combination with an average GPA um, definitely means that that sort of the academic profile is is on the weaker end of the spectrum. I mean, it's very good that they've done um, MBA math and HBS core to try to shore up that alternative transcript. It also shows self-awareness. They've gone out of their way to try to do something about this. If they could nudge that GRE up um, even a point or two, I think it will have an impact um, because that combination is on the lower end of the spectrum. Um, so they may have one more um, attempt at that. Um, but at, at this case, you know, with, with what, what I would say is probably their work experience, their international work experience is their high point of their overall profile. Um, I think they're targeting sort of top 16, top 20. So they're hitting probably the right, um, the, the right um, tiers. Um, you know, it will be interesting to see how they do in the first round, have a first round strategy and then readjust um, going on to the second round if they need to do that. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, there are, there are high points and lower points for this overall profile grade. Yeah, and I did ask them, you know, I was like, oh, you know, if you're German, um, both, you know, nationality and, you know, where you're residing and everything, mm. like that, that's going to be uh, an asset when you look at U.S. schools because yeah. there aren't enough um, Germans applying to American MBA programs. But we don't really know, and they didn't respond to that. So I don't know um, if they're from somewhere else. But I could not agree more that, you know, when you try to build an alternative transcript to address a low GPA, which let's assume it's 2.9 and it's been converted accurately from some other system, um, but Either way, if your marks are low and you're trying to address it, building an alternative transcript is great. And and I'm assuming that they have good, you know, good results and all these things that they've done. Yeah. But the issue that I have is then they go and take the GRE and the number comes in low, which suggests that the GPA maybe is a reflection of their ability or something. You know, so that's the problem that you run into with the lower GRE. It would I mean, because if they had, let's say, you know, a 325 or even better. Then suddenly you say, okay, it's, you know, they, they did fine on the GRE and look at these most recent courses, they're getting A's in. Clearly, let's not worry about the GPA being a bit low. It's like, you know, from 10 years ago, like this is recent data points we have with GRE and, and courses that suggest this person's ready to tackle, you know, our academics. And, and that's what I'm worried about here. And I don't know, I mean, they've taken it a bunch, so I'm a little nervous that I'm not sure what they're gonna get out of another sitting, but I don't know how they've prepped for it. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe they haven't had a private tutor. Um, maybe they haven't, you know, 
taken a class. I, yeah. I don't know, right? So, yeah, that's the one thing. I mean, I will say, if they had even like sort of passable numbers, I think a lot of these schools on their list would take a risk on them because they have interesting work experience. They're from Germany, have worked in Europe. It's a lot of things that you'd want to bring into the classroom. And so, yeah, so I feel like, you know, again, th they should still apply to these schools and they may well get into some of them with these numbers. But I, you know, if I had my druthers, I'd want a better test score to to accompany that alternative transcript and make that case. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. But, and also, if they are from an overrepresented country, um, which they, they may very well be, the fact that they've worked in four different countries will help sure. sort of mitigate that profile. So they're either from Germany or they're, they're not. And if they're not, um, even if they're from overrepresented place, this will help that they've moved around different countries, lots of different experiences. Yeah. And as they've described, they've done very well. Um, the extensive background um, in, in tech leadership. Right. So I'm really hoping that's the absolute strength of the application. It, and again, maybe there's something in their personal profile and their old, you know activities outside of work that also allows them to sort of stand out a little bit. Although I recognize that's a little tougher when you're traveling from country to country and not staying in one country for a significant period of time. Yeah, that's fair. Um, anyway, so I, I think, you know, it, it's a, it's an interesting profile because of these challenges. I do think, yeah. though, as you say, they probably have the right schools in the target, you know, that they're going for. So, yeah, we'll just see how it unfolds. Absolutely, they need to apply early to at least a handful of these and see where the chips fall before maybe regrouping in a, in a second round yeah. effort. So, so we'll see how it goes. I want to thank them for posting to the site. Uh, let's I will move, say yeah. one, one last thing, Graham, sorry. If they are from an overrepresented country, they've got to overload on that round one. Totally. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. So let's move on and talk about Wiretap's candidate number three. So our final candidate for this week and for our 200th <laughs> episode of a Wiretap show here is a decision wire post that you picked. And this person, they applied to Berkeley, Duke, Georgetown, uh, UCLA, USC Marshall, and Washington Foster. And they ended up getting in to, it looks like they ran the table with the exception of UCLA. So they got into Berkeley, Duke, Georgetown, USC, and Foster. And they actually were fortunate enough to get some scholarships. So they got into Fuqua with a $150,000 scholarship. They received a similar $150,000 scholarship at uh, Washington Foster. So, you know, a whole bunch of offers, some serious money on the table. They want to work in consulting after business school. Uh, they mentioned that their GRE was a 320 and their GPA a 3.5. And they say, um, and by the way, this is a U.S. candidate, and they say they're torn between Haas and Fuqua at this point. Uh, they say, Haas was my top choice throughout the process, given that I hope to end up in Seattle or the Bay Area after my MBA but I fell in love with Fuqua's culture. I'm interested in social impact nonprofit, but likely would go into consulting for a few years on the West Coast after my MBA. And I've had no luck negotiating scholarship with Haas. So that's where, you know, that's the situation. And I know you and Elliot both left them comments, but we want to just summarize what you think this person's situation is because, you know, for them, it's come down to Fuqua with 150K, or Haas with no money. It sounds like they're ignoring the other offers, including the one from Foster with 150K. 
Yeah, they fell in love with Fuqua's culture, not Fuqua's 150,000 <laughs> offer. I thought that was really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, maybe um, they fell in love with Fuqua before they knew that Fuqua had so yeah. much money. <laughs> yeah, but, but I mean, at the end of the day, you know, if they, if they really like the culture of Fu- Fuqua um, and the fact that Fuqua's offering a significant scholarship um, relative to Haas would make me think that Fuqua has to be a very good option here. I would do the due diligence and really examine the um, alumni networks in both the Bay Area and, and Seattle. I think that's where you said that yeah. they're interested in in, in, in working. Um, and to me, if they can feel comfortable that there's a, there's a healthy community in those two areas with Fuqua alums, um, I, I think... Yes, absolutely. What a what a great opportunity. Um, go to Fuqua with the hundred and fifty, and that you know that hundred and fifty thousand will allow them to travel back and forth. You know, from a recruiting standpoint. Um, but although you know, I do recognise that actually, if if your school is in that area, you can do a lot more. That's why, to me, is that alumni network healthy enough to give them good comfort that they're going to be able to re- recruit well into those two areas. Yeah, that's the that's the question. And I think, you know, on the surface, yeah, you would argue, you know, Berkeley and Duke are both, you know, top 16, really great yeah. MBA programs. And one's giving them 150,000 and one's giving them zero. And so it really tips the scales. The other thing, if you look at the consulting placement data, I mean, Fuqua's traditionally placed a lot of people into consulting. I guess yeah. the other question I would pose for this candidate and, and as they weigh their options here is how... How willing would they be to work, you know, on the East Coast for a year or two after business school as they then maybe migrate out West? So, for example, if that McKinsey or Bain or whatever offer it is, you know, comes in and is for New York or Atlanta or, you know, would, you know, would that be a deal breaker or would they be willing to do that and then try to get themselves on West Coast projects and gradually make a move to the West Coast office of one of these firms or, you know, do something different? Because um, I think that's something they would need to weigh as well. Even though they can go in with their sights set on Bay Area and Seattle, um, out of you know Durham, North Carolina, but it just I, I think it'd be good for them to think that through as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, no, I think that's a very good point. And yeah. the last thing I wanted to just say is, you know, we didn't talk about Foster, and they seem to have eliminated Foster. I think if this person wanted to work in tech in in Seattle, you know, suddenly Foster with one hundred fifty thousand is pretty compelling too. But they they've dismissed it, I guess, because their goals are not their goals are in consulting, and they I, I don't know, they've just decided to focus on Fuqua and Haas being the higher ranked schools, I guess. But it's just an interesting situation, and. Um, yeah, they. This is always it's challenging when your target geo is not necessarily in line with the school that you <laughs> have the best offer from. So it's always a, always a challenge. But they need to do their due diligence and figure it out. Yeah, I think if their goal was tech, not consulting, one has becomes more compelling relative to yeah, that's to, fair to Duke, um, Foster, uh, to Fuqua, and it does bring Foster into the conversation more so. Yeah. Um, but they're they're looking at social impact and consulting, um, yeah. so so that does impact you know their decision. Yeah, yeah. agreed.
Anyway, I want to thank them for sharing their dilemma. Hopefully, the advice that we've given helps them as they make their way. Do we give them any advice? <laughs> I don't even. <laughs> we, we danced around it, it and I, yeah. you know, I think <laughs> Elliot gave them very clear advice on the website too. So it's yeah. yeah. In any event, I want to thank them for posting. Um, Alex, thanks to you for picking these candidates out. We're going to be back in one week's time, and uh, yeah, we'll do it all again, and <laughs> and uh, it'll be number two hundred one. <laughs> very good. Very good. Good luck, everyone. Take care.